It's the week of Friday, November 13th, Ooh, 2009, and this is The Relevant Podcast. The Relevant Podcast is your audio companion to Relevant Magazine and RelevantMagazine.com. I'm Cameron Strang. Here with me in our Orlando, Florida studios is Ryan Ham. Hi, everybody. On the ones and twos behind the glass wall is Chad Michael Snavely. He's, he's waving. And on the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia is none other than Jesse Carey. The one and only. Uh, Adam Smith is under the weather, so he's not joining us this week. I also have been under the weather, which is maybe why you'll hear a little gravelly in my voice. Jesse, but Adam probably has sheep flu. We have swine flu here, but he has sheep flu. <laughs> I, I actually yeah. caught it from him. Hmm. That's what, or he caught it from me. Mm-hmm. We were um, we were on a Skype date like you and your Chinese girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And um, it transferred through trans- the internet. It transfers through the screen. Yes. There's no. Yeah. There's nowhere. There's nowhere safe at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did hear the other day that apparently you can now give swine flu to your dog. Really? <laughs> yeah. My neighbor, my next door neighbor, um, both uh, the family had swine flu. I think I had it when I was sick for two and a half days because I had all the symptoms. But but the fever is uh, normal flu has the same symptoms. Yeah, normal flu has the same symptoms. So you can't really tell unless you go. There is a guy in our uh, head-to-head basketball league, a buddy of mine. His team is called Swine Flu. Right. Literally two days after naming his team that, he was diagnosed with swine flu. The good news is he made a recovery. That's why you should never name your team hypo- Hepatitis. <laughs> <laughs> That's my Roto team name. Oh, no. You're oh, like, hey, no. everyone, I named my team Typhoid. Uh, I, I'm in three fantasy basketball leagues. My head-to-head is, I believe, the Orlando Tragic. Mm. Um, the Orlando Manic, which is only one letter, mm-hmm. one letter off of Magic, is my other league. And then, um, no, the Orlando Static is my Aussie league <laughs> one. Oh, nice. And I actually made a logo for that one. It's awesome. Uh, and no, it's not. It's actually really nerdy. I was up late one night tweaking a logo with my head on it. <laughs> it's, I, it's pretty I am great. the ridiculousness. Yes, but I, I would like to be referred to around the league as just the Ness, you know, if I come up in conversation. No, we just call you Redonk. Yeah. <laughs> the Redonkadonk. <laughs> uh, on this week's podcast, that's it for your sports update. Coming up on this week's podcast, we've got a couple of amazing segments. Our editorial director, Roxy Weeman, actually interviews best-selling author Mitch Album. You probably know him as uh, Tuesdays with Maury, when, uh, Five People You Meet in Heaven. He has a new book out called Have a Little Faith. She interviews him. That's coming up later. And we also have a live in-studio performance by Sherwood, Hmm. a uh, very good band. A couple of songs by them coming up. Uh, Before all that, though, uh, we have your entertainment releases coming out in stores on Tuesday. We've got a few albums here of note. Boys to Men is coming out with Love. (laughs) It's actually a covers album. They've actually run out of the songs. Yeah, well, you know, you can only sing End of the Road so many times. (laughs) (laughs) There's only so many high school graduations. Yeah, Yeah. or breakups. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
Um, or funerals. Um, <laughs> oh, man. That's what they're playing at mine. You better believe it. <laughs> There's going to be dry eye in that house. Uh, <laughs> um, I heard one of the boys the men had swine flu. Really? Yeah. It's really it's really hitting everyone at this point. I He I also got it from an, a Skype date that we had. Interesting. Yeah. 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 Little known fact. Well, well, you guys do Skype dates at least once a month, though, so right. who knows when it was contracted. <laughs> right. I mean, you guys have been doing Skype dates with Boys to Men uh, going back three, four years now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Fallout Boy is coming out with uh, Believers Never Die. It's a greatest hits album. I thought it would be a blank disc. Intr- Whoa, <laughs> that's a burn. <laughs> Yeah, burn Pete Wentz. <laughs> <laughs> Nora Jones is coming out with The Fall. John Mayer is coming out with Battle Studies. Jeremy Camp is coming out with the Jeremy Camp Live. I think he recorded it live at a camp. Interesting. <laughs> it's actually, it's called the Jeremy Camp. And it's it's, <laughs> it's his fan fan group get-together, annual get-together. Wait, is that is that true? No. Oh. Jerry, no. <laughs> well, I would believe anything at this point. <laughs> you would believe that parents, and, and well, beyond the parents, the kids would actually want to go to a camp that's all about Jeremy Camp. Well, I don't think kids <laughs> would want to go, but I think their parents would drag them to it. Okay. Yeah. What would the activities include at that camp? Just like knitting. Knitting. <laughs> <laughs> but it would be like it would be like knitting beanies for Jeremy Camp to wear during performances. Uh, it's actually Soul where patch he gets growing. It's where he gets all of his tour merch made. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's one large sweatshop. Yeah, yeah, it's a big labor. sweatshop that you pay like 800 bucks to go to. For it's a, a fantasy week. camp for uh, <laughs> what it's like to be a Jeremy Camp roadie. There's an entire workshop on the best way to look like you're worshiping. Oh, so. wow. <laughs> but your mind could be on the game yeah, exactly. or your fantasy league it's or a, the swine flu. You learn exactly how high to hold your hands, how much to close your eyes, how often to close your eyes. How so authentically you to tilt your head. Exactly. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Whether you should have a look of joy, ecstasy, or contemplation on your in your face. <laughs> and, and yeah, and then there's like courses like faux hawk versus shaggy. You just... <laughs> <laughs> and then moose versus gel. What the girls say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is it still too late for tips? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, Frosted tips are always okay. Uh, the Jeremy Camp fan camp, uh, fantasy camp is every year in uh, October 13th through 27th in Fayetteville, Arkansas. It's better than space camp. No, and it's not. And we just lost our not. sponsor who was Jeremy Camp for his new album. It was Jeremy Camp's uh, camp. It yeah. was actually our sponsor this yeah. week. Um, uh, Sarah Groves is coming out with Fireflies and Songs on INO Records. Phil Wickham is coming out with Heaven and Earth. Anne Berlin is coming out with Blueprints for City Friendships, the Anne Berlin Anthology, three CDs on Tooth & Nail. It's a lot of Anne Berlin. Three CDs of Anne Berlin. Uh, Delirious is coming out with the Greatest Hits album. Uh, And then Inspiration Jam Volume 3, Holy Hip Hop is coming out. That's exciting. I have that pre-ordered. That's the next cover. There are a lot of Greatest greatest Hits albums coming out. Well, because it's like Grandma goes into the Christian bookstore doesn't know what to get Youngster for Christmas. And so, well, there's a greatest hits album of that rock and roll band they like yeah and so you yeah. walk out of there with jeremy camp yeah. live that's true yeah or fallout boy and then you're yeah and then your grandkids inevitably disappointed because they already own every fallout boy record that's right yeah that's true oh yeah it's like thanks grandma i already have all these yeah well then you take it back to the bookstore that's what i was that's what i was can you at. return me if you yeah. don't open it if you don't open it that's yeah. true good good call a little tidbit there yeah i once i took left behind back when I was like a sophomore in high school, the book, yeah, 
Well, did you? How they did they know it? if you read it or not? Well, I got it as a gift. I already got, I got it. I got it as a gift, and I think I'd already read it twice. <laughs> so I took it back because I I didn't want to read it again because you know it was fresh in my memory. The Adventures of Buck and Rayford Steele. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> let's see. Albums or those are that's it for CD releases. Uh, movies coming out on Friday the twentieth. Actually, there's a couple here in limited release, but in very large type. Chad pointed out that there's a Nicolas Cage movie coming out called Bad Lieutenant, Ooh. Port of Call, New Orleans. So uh, apparently, is that all, is that the entire title? Bad Lieutenant colon Port of Call, New Orleans. You, you know what? The, it, it makes the assumption. That we know what the Bad Lieutenant series is. <laughs> oh, this is the Porter Call New Orleans ones. I've been waiting for that. You know, finally, the next in the Bad Lieutenant series. It's a remake. Yeah, and it's directed by Werner Herzog. Yeah, he is. And Nicolas Cage <laughs> plays a rogue detective who is as <laughs> who is as devoted to his job as he is to scoring drugs while playing fast and loose with the law. Oh, that's is he in a great. race against time? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, no Armed doubt. with only a flashlight, he embarks on a race against time. Is there a treasure? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Also coming out, Planet 51, uh, starring Jessica Biel, uh, The Rock, uh, Justin Long. That sounds promising. Sean William Scott, Gary Oldman, John Cleese. Gary Oldman? Yeah. It, it's it's the tables are turned on this animated sci-fi adventure featuring the, these voice actors. Oh, Remember, it's, it's the, it's the alien on right. the yeah. Yeah, human I saw the, yeah. I've seen the preview. It actually looks cute. Uh, Twilight Saga New Moon is coming out. How excited is Maya on a scale Honest, of 1 to 10? Uh, 14. Yeah. It's has, it, has she read all of the books? Yes, yeah, she actually has. It's is re- she on Team Jacob or Team Edward? I have no idea what that means. I don't let her talk to me about them. So. <laughs> <laughs> but but here's, here's, here's the thing that broke my heart. When we were down at the U2 show, Muse opened. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I wanted, I've loved Muse for a couple of albums now. And so it's like, I was really excited for her, for her to hear good music, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're, they're playing some stuff off the last album, which I love. And then they go into this song and she lights up uh-huh. and she's like, oh, this is the song from Twilight. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And she's like, yeah, the baseball scene. And I was, she's like, she totally knew the song because of Twilight. That's awesome. No, it's not awesome. Hey, to be fair, though, the new Twilight movie, the soundtrack is ridiculous. Yeah, Have you seen is. who's on it? It's like, well, I mean, I've like seen Tom some of the videos. Tom York, Bonnie Death Cab. Death Cab. Saint, I've seen the Death Cab Saint, one. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's also the, the soundtrack for Garden State 2. <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. And then also coming out, the one that I'm excited about, The Blind Side. Uh, it's the true story of Michael Ower, a uh, homeless African-American youngster from a broken home, taken in by the Tuhis, a well-to-do white family who help him fulfill his potential. And he ends up, uh, he goes from being homeless to last year, he was drafted into the NFL. Oh. It's a uh, true story. Sandra Bullock, it's it actually, it's a tearjerker. It looks like I'm, I'm really excited about it. Um, actually, here's a trailer, and, and we'll, we'll run a view at relevantmagazine.com mm-hmm. on Friday. But here's a, here's a part of the trailer for Blindside. He's been enrolled in seven different institutions, including a gap of 18 months around the age of 10, when he apparently didn't attend school at all. It's all really nice what you're doing, but don't be surprised if one day you wake up and he gone. Michael was here. Last night. Tell him to sleep with one eye open. You threaten my son. You threaten me. Michael's grades have improved enough that he can go out for spring football in March. This team is your family, Michael. When you look at him, you think of me, how you have my back. Are you going to protect your family, Michael? Yes, ma'am. SJ, you're going to want to get this. I 
think what you're doing is so great. Sandra Bullock. Hey, you're changing that boy's life. No. He's changing mine. Looks good. Can't wait. All right, that'll do it for your entertainment releases. Up next, Sherwood. Merry Christmas, everyone. It's Relevance 12 Days of Christmas. Save up to 80% on apparel, books, music, and more when you sign up for Relevant's second annual 12 Days of Christmas at relevantmagazine.com slash 12. Now, you can be entered to win a $100 Amex gift card, so you can buy me a Christmas gift, if you sign up before November 30th. It's relevantmagazine.com slash the number 12. You're listening to OK Go. The song is What The? Well, it's What The dot 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 question mark. So what the? Mm-hmm. You got to go up at the uh, end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. Thanks, Jesse. <laughs> that was a nice home improvement. Noise. Yeah, that was. Yeah. Long time listeners know I'm a huge Tim Allen fan. Yeah, that's a low light of our friendship right there. Uh, the video is playing right now over at relevant.tv. Um, OK Go's new album is tentatively titled Of the Blue Color of the Sky. They're not one for concise That's a terrible verbiage. Title. It's scheduled to release January 12th, 2010. You can check them out at okgo.net or myspace.com. Okgo. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Weezer. The song is, If You're Wondering If I Want You To, I Want You To. Oh, my. Oh, my. Rivers Cuomo getting spicy in his old age. <laughs> the relevant podcast getting spicy in its old age. Uh, it's pl- it also is playing right now at relevant.tv, hopefully without any having anything having to be blurred out or yeah, pixelated. It's, it's it all takes place in a western town, so okay. it's very it's okay. very he, if I want you if you if you're wondering if I want you to duel, I want you to duel. That's right. probably what he's saying. Well, he was I think saying. he's just talking about like doing math together. Yeah. Just doing some math problems, some homework. Is that what the kids call it nowadays? Yeah, it's, it's homework. What's you guys doing? <laughs> just doing some math. Just homework. Doing, just doing algebra. <laughs> Ew. Yeah, a little trig. <laughs> oh, <gosh>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's playing right now over at Relevant.tv. The song is from the new album, Ratitude. Uh, Weezer.com. Have you guys got Ratitude yet? Uh, shockingly, I have not yet. I'm a huge Weezer fan, but I just haven't. Uh, we, we've talked yet. about it. And said, you know how yeah. we're just set up that it's going to be terrible, and I haven't even bothered to check it out. I've listened to a couple songs, and after I heard the Lil Wayne collaboration, I was done. You were done. <laughs> yeah. Last week, uh, Sherwood came through the relevant offices and performed a couple, actually four live songs for us. Their new album, QU, is uh, released last month on MySpace Records. It hit number one on Amazon.com and debuted at number 91 on the Billboard Top 200 chart. This is a big group. It's pretty, it was pretty impressive. It is pretty impressive that we got them. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, uh, their song, The Best of Me, is from the album A Different Light, and it was used as a theme song to the MTV show College Life, so you probably recognize that. They also have an online show called The Sherwood Show, starring members of the band. The episodes can be viewed on the band's MySpace page. You can check them out at SherwoodMusic.net. This first song that they're doing is actually, um, 
uh, called Make It Through. And I, I wanted Chad to come in and tell us uh, he's Chad records all the bands when they come through and stuff. And he said that this was a particularly unique recording. They didn't know like what to bring in, you know, like a lot the of bands are bringing like two acoustic guitars and maybe a, maybe a keyboard. Yeah. But uh, the whole band was here. There was like 12 of them that came in because they were on the road and they were performing with Hanson. They're, they were on tour with Hanson. Well, like the Hanson's no, Hanson, like, like indie cred now. I know. Yeah. So who, they were, who, who was opening for who? Um, <laughs> actually, I think there were five bands on the bill. Wow. And uh, Hanson was the headliner. So Sherwood was, was just going to say, were they just playing ones. as one super group? <laughs> <laughs> like fun. 50 people on stage. <laughs> so, so anyways, Joe, who is the drummer for, for Sherwood, uh, we've been texting throughout the week and, and I was like, you know, here's our setup and whatever. So they come in and, and he's like, I'd really like to play percussion on this song, but I don't know. What, what should I use? Well, we have a little recycling bin, like a little plastic one, like right outside the studio. And he's like, oh, I just use this. And he starts using his hand. He's like, nah, it's not really the tone I'm looking for. So he grabbed like this long pencil that we had like laying around like an architectural pencil. And uh, he used that as his drums for really? this song. Yeah. And actually one of the uh, songs that's going to be on the uh, episode page, he used that, the percussion on that. It's our recycling bin. Seriously. Yeah. Not well, that's, kidding. That's really well. See, look at that. <laughs> not only are they successful, they're industrious. That's right. Yeah, they're like an they're like an indie rock stomp. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure that's going to be on a sticker on their next album. <laughs> indie rock stomp. All right. Well, without any further ado, this is Sherwood playing "Make It Through." I don't 
This is Sherwood. The song is Make It Through, and you can check them out at myspace.com slash Sherwood. You're listening to Atlas Sound. The song is Walkabout with Noah Lennox. It's from the album Logos. Uh, it's a musical side project of Bradford James Cox, lead singer of the band Deer Hunter. I love these tidbits. It brings so yeah, much more context to the music now. A little more context. Um, I saw Deer Hunter in concert one time. Yeah. And he has, the like Bradford Cox, he has some kind of, I can't remember what the disease is called. But swine basi- flu? No, it's not swine flu. It basically makes <laughs> hepatitis. Him, it's not hepatitis either. <laughs> okay, he's really, really tall, and his chest is concave. So, like, I mean, he wear like he just looks very gangly, and he like in his in the album cover for the new Atlas Sound album um, logos, he is. It's a picture of him without a shirt, so you could see like his chest kind of sticks out and then goes back in. Wow. Um, yeah, but he also wears a dress on stage, so that makes it even weirder. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah i'll throw in he wears a dress on stage that, <laughs> yeah i think you buried the lead yeah. <laughs> um, uh, you can check him out at myspace.com slash atlas sound oh and noah lennox plays for uh animal collective which is interesting um okay time for slices take it away jesse all right. Well, I, I got this one particularly for uh, uh, Ryan because oh. I know that he is a huge fan of comic books. Well, <laughs> you are this, no, not well, not a huge fan. I like some graphic novels, but not any, oh, oh, any okay. comic books. I, you, Jesse is making for distinguishing that. Jesse's yeah. making a stereotype that yeah. because you have some nerd tendencies, mm-hmm. you must be a fanatic about comic books. <laughs> I think. <laughs> wait, wait, wait! But he he got he, it was almost offensive. Like, no, I <laughs> no, I like graphic novels. <laughs> <laughs> I have, I think, four graphic novels, and my oh. girlfriend knows this, so I'm not ashamed to admit it. All right. So, and like, and one of them is Watchmen, which is. It's very respectable so yeah it's really good so i know it's way saw, better than the movie yeah the movie was terrible yeah. there was way too much blue male appendages yeah <laughs> couldn't handle that yeah it, it was just awkward i told I my wife to not go to see it <laughs> i was like you can't i don't want you seeing that yeah stumbled <laughs> it yeah. Would, yeah anyway go ahead jesse sorry okay well j- just for the listener's benefit owning four graphic novels like just by sheer number of pages is like having a whole comic book collection <laughs> That is not true. <laughs> <laughs> Those things are like 400 pages. Only Watchmen is that long. And the I, Batman I, one I have isn't very long. If this makes you feel any better, when I was little, I used to read Archie. I still read Archie. There's no shame in that. Okay. <laughs> well, play, well, th- well, this one, you'll you'll uh, be happy to hear because... Um, I'm, I'm blushing in the studio, which you can't see, but... <laughs> it's making me uncomfortable, yeah. just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's just because I moved over next to him. I, it, listen, I gave Adam swine flu, so... <laughs> You're blushing as if Boys to Men was on the other end of this call. It's true. It's true. Which they are. <laughs> well, uh, you know, a lot of critics, and this is a quote from the story, said that, you know, comic books don't have any intellectual value because of their, quote, dense column or, uh, you know, as real books, because real books are have dense columns of words and lack pictures. 
But new research has shown that reading comic books is just as good for kids as reading regular books. But what about for adults? It, it, it assumes that if you're an adult, you don't own comics or graphic novels. <laughs> <laughs> if, you own, if, you own a, if you own comics as an adult, it just sort of guarantees perpetual virginity. Oh. <laughs> 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 Which is a state of suspended adolescence. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Thank you, Jesse. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to ever come across as condescending. I well, think you it, ruined that moment when you made fun of me for Star Wars. <laughs> it's uh, it's apropos that we have a very famous author on the podcast today, and we're talking about literature. Yes, so that's, yeah, that's that was right. that was a good slice. Yeah, good job. Well, thank you. I I, I feel like um, you know it, it was directed at one person in particular, but um, <laughs> listen, this I is hope, a podcast. I hope there's multiple listeners. It, it probably applies to a lot of our listenership. That's true. I know. I know. I occasionally, you know, guilty here. Read, you know, occasional Haggard the Horrible or something. <laughs> yeah, but I was a pretty big Family Circus fan in my day. I really love it when little Freddie would, uh, Jeffy would uh, get lost in the neighborhood, and they would show the little dotted lines of all the misadventures Gosh. she would get into. <laughs> yeah. Or I darn, was... it's raining when we're planning on going to the beach again. <laughs> like, you know? how great would it be to have that job, though? Because, like, you're not even making a strip. You're just, just, like, drawing a little circle, and then you get paid for it, and you come up with yeah. a caption. It's, it's like, find one, you know, mildly humorous scenario to, to draw in this circle. Yeah. No, yeah. it's not even mildly humorous. It's, like, just heartwarming. Yeah, or it's something. like saccharin. Yeah. Saccharin funny. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. All right. So my slice is actually kind of serious this week. Good. Yeah. We need it. Um, and it was because... I was serious too, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> it was because I read it and actually like got angry about it. Good. Um, Bring it. So there's... This I got angry about mine too. <laughs> <laughs> That's just because you wanted to make fun of me so eagerly. Um, so this there's this Methodist church in Phoenix and they had a homeless ministry. And so they were like inviting pe- like homeless people in to serve them food. I think like brunch once a week and then like dinner like once or twice a month or something like that. But a judge in Phoenix just ruled that it w- that the church is not allowed to serve homeless people food on their property because it's zoned as a private area. Hmm. And apparently people who own homes around there don't want homeless people in the neighborhood. So they basically sued the church to get them to stop serving food on their prop on their church property. That's actually though infuriating, not unusual. And it's happened happens here in Orlando. There are zones in each city where homeless feeding the homeless is allowed, not allowed. And it's just part of city planning. Right. I mean, they, they say it's a public safety issue, Mm -hmm. you know, where there's high residential concentrations. They try to keep the homeless shelters and the food banks away from the residential crime and things like that. But it's not, uh, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it didn't shock me either, but I mean, I I guess it's like the first time it happened in Phoenix. Oh, okay. And so they're really worried because there are several churches that are zoned for residential areas that have really big homeless ministries. So they're like, are we going to have to shut down now or what's going on? Because one of the, things that people did here, uh, Lake Eola in our downtown is a big area where uh, ministries would come and feed the homeless on the mm-hmm. weekends and stuff. And one of the ways that some groups have gotten around it, because they were getting arrested, hmm. um, 
is that uh, you can't serve food. So what they do is bring a big group of friends out and they all do a big potluck Uh and everybody brings food, shares food. And it just so happens that homeless people also partake in the potluck and and are fed that way. But it's not like like a food line or anything like that. And and man, the police just watch and like stand (laughs) over there. It's really interesting to see this tension happening in the city. But it was the same thing as like they weren't allowed to feed homeless in certain areas. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, it just it just is really strange. I mean, I get the residential zoning and everything, but um, it's a, it's a public safety issue. Oh yeah, you yeah, yeah. Think. I mean, well, and I get that. It's just like I can't imagine being the judge, being like, "And you're not allowed to serve poor people." <laughs> <laughs> well, you you know, like come election season, you know how like anytime like there's like a county official up for election, they they find something that they voted for that was in some bill that's really obscure. Yeah. You know, they'll be like. You know, city councilman Henry voted on not feeding the poor, you know, and it's like this picture of him looking all haggard, yeah. you know, and hate, it's going to come back and get yeah. him. Don't worry. I, I don't have a slice, but I do have a Snapple fact. The uh, fastest recorded speed of a racehorse was over 43 miles per hour. Wow. That's faster than my Vespa can go. Yeah. By about 13 miles per hour. No. <laughs> My Vespa can go 35. It cannot. Yes, it can. Down, go 30. Downhill with the wind at your back. <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it does go 35. It starts making a high-pitched whine whenever it gets that high. It's like, and, please and, stop. And the front wheel, like, vibrates violently. No, it, it actually, it's it's pretty smooth still. Is it actually a Vespa? Yeah, yeah. it's actually a Vespa. Well, th- those are well-made. Yeah, yeah. It's not like some people have, like, a, like this, like, you know, kind of cheap Japanese scooter. Like, like yeah, I got a Vespa, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like one of those. Right. No, it's it's an actual Vespa. Because those are terrible. Yeah. All right. On that uh, in- intellectual note, <laughs> that'll wrap up Slices. Up next, Mitch Album. It's like a weed whacker engine in those things. <laughs> <laughs> The great relevant saint off. Now, reminder, this contest ends November 18th. So go over to relevantmagazine.com slash saints where you can enter to win a $100 Amex gift card. Now, a few entries that we've had so far. Saint Paris, a patron saint, but no one knows why. And J.J. Abrams, patron saint of the lost. Go to relevantmagazine.com slash saints. The contest ends November 18th. You're listening to Fun, period. The song is All the Pretty Girls. The video is playing right now over at Relevant.tv. Now, I haven't seen the video yet, but I've been anticipating a, a video from Fun. The video is, Roxy pointed out, she asked me, why are all the boys in super skinny pants running away from all the pretty girls? And that's pretty much what the whole video is. No way. Yeah. Maybe it's group groupies. and they I figured it was because they were, they were reading graphic novels. I was yeah. going to say, they're probably big fans of graphic novels. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they're, pro- they're probably like a graphic novel releasing somewhere, and they're like running to the release. Yeah. You know? Fun uh, formed during the winter of 2008, so last winter, re- and released their debut album, Aim and Ignite, on August 25th, 2009, this year. They're featured on The Drop in the new issue of Relevant. You can check them out at myspace.com slash F-U-N, fun. 
Uh, they are a a uh, favorite here among the relevant staff. It's true. It's peppy, happy stuff. It's the guy from the format, right? It's the guy from the format. There's a guy from Anathalo, and then a guy from another band that I can't remember. And if so you it's, listen- sort of, it's sort of a super group. Yeah. If you listen to last week's podcast, you actually heard a clip when we were going through the new issue preview. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Mitch Album is an incredibly successful author, famous author, uh, wrote seminal books like Tuesdays with Maury, The Five People You Meet in Heaven, For One More Day. He has a new book out called Have a Little Faith. Uh, we actually have a, a review up at relevantmagazine.com. If mm-hmm. you go there and um, in the search, just put Mitch Album or Have a Little Faith, and it'll pop up. He's an internet, I'll read his bio. He's an internationally renowned and best selling author, journalist, screenwriter, playwright, radio and television broadcaster, and musician. His books have collectively sold over 28 million copies worldwide. He's been published in 41 territories and in 42 languages around the world. Uh, and, he, and his books have been made into Emmy award-winning and critically acclaimed television movies. So listen, Sherwood, number one, <laughs> we got a world-renowned best-selling author uh, now. He's, he's written a syndicated column for the D- Detroit Free Press for the last 24 years and periodically writes for national magazines. He's also a regular on ESPN's The Sports Reporters. Which I saw and was very surprised by. Huh? Uh, well, he, were you surprised by how he looked? No, I was surprised that he. I mean, I know Mitch Album as this mm-hmm. novelist. I don't know yeah. him as a sports yeah. reporter. And you're surprised that ESPN would have a Lions fan on the air. <laughs> <laughs> surprised they could find somebody who actually lived in Detroit. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Um, <laughs> who said he lived in Detroit? Well, he writes for the Detroit Free Press. Yeah, he lives in Detroit. He talks oh, about he it does. in his new book, I guess. Yeah. He's founded three charities in the metropolitan Detroit area. The Dream Fund, established in 89, allows disadvantaged children to become involved in the arts. A Time to Help, founded in 1998, brings volunteers together once a month to tackle various projects in Detroit, including staffing shelters, building homes with Habitat for Humanity, and operating Meals on Wheels programs for the elderly. Say Detroit, Mitch's most recent effort, is an umbrella program to fund shelters and care for the homeless in his city. He also raises money for literacy, literacy projects uh, through a variety of means, including the, his performances on The Rock Bottom Remainders, a band made up of writers, which includes Stephen King, Dave Barry, Scott Turo, Amy Tan, and Ridley Pearson. Wow. Unbelievable. He also doesn't sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Mitch serves on the boards of various charities and in 1999 was named National Hospice Organization's Man of the Year. Huh. Without any further ado, here is Roxy Weeman talking to author Mitch Album. Tell me what experiences you've had in your life that seemed to sort of set the trajectory of your writings towards spiritual themes. First, uh, when I was a child, I was uh, pretty heavily indoctrinated in in my religion of Judaism, I was uh, not only, you know, taken to sort of the normal three-day-a-week school and gone through the rituals, but then when I was 11, uh, my parents put me in an academy, a religious academy, where half the day, uh, you know, the morning until lunch, was spent on uh, just religious and biblical learning. Uh, and, you know, every every book of the Old Testament backwards and forwards in the original language, learned Aramaic to read commentaries. Uh, and it was like that for me from uh, age 11 until age um, 16 when or 17 when I graduated. I stayed there right through high school. Uh, and then... I kind of walked away from it, uh, and when I became an adult, not you know from a loss of faith, but just sort of you know, I figured I had learned that already, and I was healthy and young, and 
figured I'm going, I'm doing fine, and uh, I don't, you know, God can go his way and I can go mine. And then uh, probably what began my sort of turnaround back was uh, first when I re-encountered my old professor from college, Maury Schwartz, who uh, I was very close with in college and then lost track of as, as I had sort of become very ambitious and didn't stay in touch with him, and I found out that he was dying from Lou Gehrig's disease, mm-hmm. ALS, and I saw him on uh, TV when he was talking to uh, the Nightline program about it, and uh, I got back in touch with him, and one thing led to another, and I ended up visiting him every Tuesday uh, for the rest of his life, and I wrote a book to help him pay his medical bills, and uh, the book was called Tuesdays with Maury. And during that time, watching him die and seeing what was uh, important to him and what wasn't important to him, I think was sort of the beginning of my turning back to trying to find some more meaning in my life and not just being ambitious and, and achieving and all that. And, and, and then one thing led to another, and that kind of led me to uh, my time with uh, both uh, Rabbi Lewis and Pastor Henry Covington, the two people who are, are the main characters and have a little faith. Have a little faith. Your most recent book—it's a uh, return to nonfiction for you. Um, what what kind of prompted you to write to write that? What what's the message you kind of hope people will take from that? Well, what prompted me to write it was uh, about nine years ago. Um, my childhood rabbi, uh, really the only clergyman I'd ever had personally, because I'd always belonged to that temple and never joined another one. Uh, asked me if I would do his eulogy, and I was very stunned by being asked because I wasn't particularly religious at that point. And uh, I, I said, "Well, God, I mean, I'm overwhelmed by the request, but if you want me to do your eulogy, I need to get to know you better as a human being. I mean, I, all I've ever known of you is what you know, a congregant knows by sitting in the seats." And that began, you know, again for me a series of visits with an older man. In this case. With Maury, it just lasted about seven or eight months, and with the rabbi, it was eight years yeah. uh, because he survived several strokes and heart attacks and things like that. And and uh, we ended up having all these, you know, really long, interesting visits and theological discussions. And I got to see a man of God sort of behind the scenes, you know, mm-hmm. in his home, in his bedroom, in the hospital, in his office. And uh, while that was happening. I was also getting to know a pastor here in Detroit, where I live. In fact, I'm sitting in the church right now. Uh, and uh, he was the polar opposite, sort of, of Rabbi Lewis. He had grown up uh, very poor, became a criminal, a, a thief, a, a, a prisoner in jail, a drug dealer, and a drug addict. And then he turned his life over to Jesus uh, just after his 30th birthday on a night when he thought he was going to be murdered by drug dealers. And he made a promise to God that if God got him through the, till the morning, he could have him for the rest of his life. And he kept that promise. And he uh, got off the drugs and got straightened out and uh, and now runs this church here in Detroit, which is very, very poor and kind of dilapidated and has a 20-foot hole in its roof where rain and snow come in all the time and literally soak the pews. And uh, it's so so uh, bad and so cold that uh, during the winter time uh, they have to build a plastic tent that they pray inside uh, on Sundays, uh, even though the rest of the sanctuary is open, but it's freezing. And, and they, they have this 
man-made plastic tent where they huddle inside with their coats on and pray. And I, I witnessed this, and I was going back and forth between this place and then New Jersey where the rabbi lived and then back here and then New Jersey. And and uh, I just thought this is so interesting because these are two so different people, a white man, a black man, a Jew, a Christian, a suburban well-to-do, and inner-city poverty, and yet they are both the same in one very, very critical area of faith. Their their faith is what guides them, and so the faith was what was guiding the rabbi as he was approaching his death, and faith was what, what was guiding the pastor here as he was trying to keep his church from collapsing. Mm-hmm. And I thought, um, this is a very, you know, on one hand, it's a very simple, small story for me to be moving back and forth between these two men, but it's got a lot of bigger ramifications that people can learn from, and that's why I decided to write the book. In your own life, just like in the day-to-day, like how do you, um, how do you see faith kind of working in just the day-to-day? Not in the big, like I'm about to die or the church is, you know, has, has a hole in the roof, but what, what about people who are just kind of going about their daily life? Well, uh, yeah, I think that, um, you know, sometimes people talk about faith only in big, broad, gigantic strokes, like uh, deep, deep prayer when somebody is sick, you know, and, right. and nonstop praying uh, when, when someone loses a job, uh, in those big, you know, tragic moments. Uh, but I think faith is much more of an everyday thing. Mm-hmm. I, I think the principles of your faith, uh, Christianity, uh, taking care of the least of us. You mm-hmm. know, what a beautiful phrase that is. And yeah. and you don't need to, that doesn't mean you have to spend necessarily every minute of your day like Mother Teresa, you know, uh, helping lepers in, 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 uh, in faraway countries. Uh, but you can be walking through the town that you live in and see somebody, you know, who's having a hard time or down on the, on the street or whatever. And it's the difference between you're stopping and and giving them some money or talking to them and not, mm-hmm. you know, which is what most people do. That small little act that might only take, you know, 30 seconds of your day, that is a small act of faith, you know, and uh, because you're, you're, you're taking care of, you know, God's children. And, and, and the same way that uh, uh, maybe uh, something good happens to you, uh, you know, somebody gives you a raise uh, or... Uh, uh, throws you a party or you have good friends and you take a moment and you just look up, you know, or inside you look up and you say, thank you, God, you know, for what I've been given here. You know, this is, this is a blessing. That's a small little act of faith. They're not always these big, huge sweeping, you know, uh, oh, oh, she's been praying for the last six hours. You know, sometimes they're just in these, just in the little everyday uh, things, you know, lying down at bed at night. You know, I try always before I go to sleep, and I'm I'm dog tired when I go to sleep. Yeah. I mean, I put in a full day in my life, but I, I always, when I close my eyes, I always say, "God, did I did I do the right thing today? You know, did I appreciate everything that I had? You know, please help me if I didn't. Please help me be grateful uh, for what I have and not think of it in terms of complaints or oh this didn't go right or that didn't go right. You know, please help me erase those kinds of thoughts and be more grateful." You know, it doesn't take me very long, and it's inside my head, but I don't know, I guess that's a small little act of faith, too. So mm-hmm. I think hundreds of times a day, you can 
you can, you know, have that manifest itself in your in your life and, and never really even be noticed by the outside. One of the characteristics of your writing, um, obviously, is that you're a very good storyteller. What, what do you think it means to tell a great story? Well, for me, uh, I found that the best stories not only have to have the things that most people think of about a good story, an interesting character, and, and something you want to see how it works out, what happens, you know, what happens next. But also, for, for my stories, I try to always create a character that the person reading it can slide into. So in Tuesdays with Maury, for example, it was me. Uh, you know, I was the one who was asking the questions of this wise old man who was dying, and, and I was very imperfect, uh, which was the truth, and had a lot of flaws. And I think a lot of readers were able to sort of identify with me and say, you know, yeah, I would be kind of the same way, asking the same question. Or they identified someone in their life that they knew with Maury, and said, you know, uh, he's like my grandfather, he's like a teacher that I had. Same thing with the five people you meet in heaven. You know, Eddie was a guy who felt that his life didn't matter, and, uh, you know, he, he didn't think he did anything while he was here. And I know so many people who feel that way about their lives. And, and he had his eyes open, you know. Um, and, you know, the same thing with Have a Little Faith. Uh, you know, I have this great opportunity to go between these two men. And, and rather than talk about me and what I've accomplished or done or anything like that, I rather would just play the part of the person asking questions and learning and having their life change. And so I found with my stories, if, if people could sort of slide themselves into one of the characters, they embrace them that much deeper mm -hmm. uh, than just say, a, I don't know, a story about a spy or a story about a serial killer or something, which might be entertaining, but when you're done, you know, it didn't change you in any way. It was just a story. That's the way I kind of look at it. In the midst of a world that is often fighting and can seem very ugly, very hopeless, um, you still write about hope and you you pursue that what what kind of drives you to that what what gives you that hope well first of all if you lived where i lived um you would quickly i think uh be the same way because if you don't in detroit in in, right. in this day and age where 30 percent unemployment is the rate in our city and where we have almost 100,000 abandoned buildings where people have just walked away and they're falling down and the streets are desolate. If you don't get up every morning with hope, uh, you're going to have a hard time getting up every morning. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing but sad news around here. And, and you don't, nobody doesn't know somebody who's out of work or has lost their home uh, or is on the street. So hope is what gets you through. You know, hope is faith to me. I mean, they're, they're intertwined. Mm -hmm. And uh, you have to believe that Things can get better, um, and you have to believe that there's a you know a bigger force at work, and maybe you're going through a trial or tribulation now, but uh, it's to learn how to deal with things later on. And so, I don't know. I guess at some point in my life, I looked to the left and I saw hope, and I looked to the right and I saw cynicism, and I said, if I have to choose between these two things, I'm going to choose hope, because uh, I don't find cynics particularly enjoyable or attractive. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know what they add. And and um, they're not making anything better. And I've been cynical enough in my life. You know, I, I, I was like that a lot of my life. And 
I didn't, didn't get, didn't accomplish anything. But since I've sort of become more hopeful, uh, I've been amazed at what people are willing to do mm-hmm. and how you can get things accomplished. We're at this church right now. As soon as I get off the phone with you, we have contractors here to try to fix this 20-foot hole in the roof mm-hmm. thanks to donations from people who have just sent in $5, $1.50, you know, whatever, because they read about the story and, and they don't want the church to go through another winter freezing cold. That's, That's a hopeful thing. Yeah, it is. And I would choose to concentrate on that. A cynic would look at that and go, yeah, big deal. So you're going to fix one church. There's still a thousand churches that are in trouble. Well, what does that do? That, that, that doesn't help anything. So I look at this like we start here and then move on to another one. Thank you so much for, for taking some time. Thank you. You're listening to the David Crowder Band. The song is The Nearness from their new album, Church Music. You can check them out at davidcrowderband.com. Again, Sherwood came through the studio last week. Their current album is called QU. It's on MySpace Records. It just released last month. They actually recorded four songs for us. Uh, We're playing two here on the podcast. The other two can be downloaded directly or streamed directly on the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. So you can go over there and check those out. Uh, again, you can check them out at SherwoodMusic.net or MySpace.com slash Sherwood. Here they are performing Maybe This Time. Waiting for a sign I used to search with every step And even as a boy so many things I can't forget So if I made a list of everyone I've kissed What would that come? I've heard it said that I won't take a chance But everything I've found slipped through my hands Have I gone blind? Maybe this time Maybe this time best of me. So if I made a list of every chance I missed, what would that accomplish? Now I've been making eyes at you all night, trying to decide what's on your mind, what's on your Try 
the sun to show his tired face. Shine into me, shine onto mine. Come see the tree shadows lengthen and cry. This is Sherwood. The song is Maybe This Time. And actually, we are playing the video for Maybe This Time right now over at Relevant.tv. Look at that. Check it out. That's called Synergy. Seriously. You can't see it right now, but Cameron's making that symbol where he's like putting his hands together. <laughs> he's, and he's weeping quietly. There's a, there's a tear. <laughs> tear of happiness for the Synergy. You're listening to Mount St. Helens Vietnam Band. The song is Albatross, Albatross, Albatross. You can check them out at myspace.com slash Mount St. Helens Vietnam Band. I was going to say, like, that one's not that one's not inappropriate, the song title, but it is maybe the most depressing band name ever. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. How many American tragedies can we cram into one band name? <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's time for your feedback. Last week, you know, we talked about Nicolas Cage and, and his financial ruin that he is in. He's having to sell his castle and many other properties to... Uh, uh, dig out from the brink of bankruptcy, and we thought, man, we no man should have to sell his castle. Why, why don't we help him rather than having to 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 pawn everything to to pay pay off his debts? Why don't we come up with ideas for new projects he can do to make more money so he can at least keep his castle? You know. So we asked you for movie ideas for Nicolas Cage to star in to bring him back from the brink of financial ruin. You went over to the podcast episode page, and in the comments area, as you answered the question, here are some of our favorites. <laughs> well, th- this one's my uh, favorite from Ben to the Edge. Bavaria Dangerous is the title of this film. Nicholas Cage is Tabin Dangerous, an expert assassin who only has 10 days to raise $10 million before the Bavarian government repossesses his geriatric grandmother's castle. I just like the title, Bavaria Dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my favorite ones are from Kyle C. Dietz. And I won't read you all of them because it's actually a trilogy autobiography, which, you know, <laughs> really about that he spent a disturbing amount of time coming up with this. Um, but the third one is called Cage, Reign of Kal-El. 
<laughs> Cage's new heir rises to power after being trained in his father's hatred for mankind. Will Kal-El enslave the human race? Not if Luke Cage has to say anything about it. Cage's former mentor intends to stop the abomination which who feels responsible for releasing on humanity. Like I'd go see that. Well, what, what, where is this in the trilogy? Huh? It's the final. It's the final chapter. <laughs> okay. It's the conclusion. I, yeah. I just appreciate. I saw the one you read, Jesse. I don't appreciate. Been to the edge. He he did three. I just want to acknowledge yeah. the fact yeah. that he did three, and this is how he introduces each of them. <laughs> he says he formats it so great. He has monkey cage. <laughs> Nicholas Cage is true, true bird hookman, an obsessive compulsive, compulsive librarian, da, 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 but very dangerous. Nicholas Cage is Taben dangerous, an expert assassin. Da, da, da. Then last one, spit takers. Nicholas Cage is for a spit taker and his <laughs> bullet ridden action fest directed by John Woo. You I, know what the great thing about monkey cage is though? Like I could actually see uh, Nicholas Cage teaming with like Charlie Kaufman, you know, who did adaptation Nicholas Cage's, you know, one of his few actually respectable films and making something as weird as the plot of monkey cage, which is, uh, he is obsessive compulsive librarian who is haunted by monkeys that only he can see also played via performance but captured by Nicolas Cage that may be foretelling the impending apocalypse, but who would believe him? It's basically Donnie Darko. I would Nicholas say Cage if it was written by Charlie Kaufman, though, like I would see it opening night completely without irony. Yeah, yeah well, that's, that's what I'm saying. It, it's, it's basically uh, Donnie Darko with monkeys and Nicolas Cage. <laughs> uh, I, Tim, wrote in. He says uh, he suggests Birdie 2, Electric Boogaloo. Cage reprises his role as Sergeant, Sergeant Alfonso Al Colombato, and Matthew Modine returns as Birdie, with Peter Gabriel also returning to do the soundtrack. The two Vietnam vets must put on a breakdancing contest in order to save the mental institution in which Birdie resides. He thinks he's a bird. Ice-T plays Rap Talker once again, which is the role he played in Breakin'. Not enough people know about Birdie. It's really a classic, which coincidentally came out in 1984, the same year as Breakin' and Breakin' 2, Electric Boogaloo. Yes, both Breakin' movies came out the same year. And I would like to say, <laughs> I, Tim, I saw both of those in the theater. Thank you very much. You saw both Breakin' And movies? Breakin' 2. Wow. Electric Boogaloo. In 1984? Yes. I was eight years old, and my mother, who hates the movies and is ultra conservative, took me to both of them. I was in fourth grade. Were they awesome? Third grade. Oh, of course they were awesome. I've I remember the I remember both of them. The one time Breakin loses the reality or the fantasy of amazing breakdancing. This guy he's sweeping up shop, you know, he's mm-hmm. having he has a part-time job, you know, but he really wants to dance. And he's sweeping out on the sidewalk and he's by himself and he starts to break dance with the broom. And there's this moment. Now, listen, I haven't seen break and I own break into electric boogaloo, but I haven't seen break in since I saw it in 1984. And I remember this, that there's this one shot. This is how poorly he was made. There's this one <laughs> shot where he's break dancing with the broom mm-hmm. and he kind of does a flip with the broom and the light catches the fishing wire holding Ooh. the broom. And I remember thinking, really, you couldn't just like cut to a different angle there. F- when you're shooting two movies in the same year <laughs> and releasing true. them, you're on a tight time. Yeah, but true. you disappointed eight year old Cameron, eight year old Cameron was disappointed <laughs> with the production values. That's of breaking. sad. Yeah, I know. Maybe this will make you happier. All right. Um, 
This is a, a rare autographical biopic where Nicolas Cage will portray himself. Auto, and it's called wait, auto, I, auto I apologize for that. The Nicolas Cage story. <laughs> okay, so what is it? It's a it's an autobiographical So so all right, think about this. An autobiographical biopic okay. in which Nicolas Cage plays himself. It's not a documentary, mind you. Okay. You know, like that Mike Tyson where he's just sitting talking to the camera. Which is called the hangover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is I apologize for that. The Nicolas Cage story. <laughs> oh, I like that. Uh, and, you know, uh, John Eric Adam Hijabalani by I, I Bill. I don't know how you say his name. Uh, he, he, in the comments, uh, said, you know, this has nothing to do with Nicolas Cage, but he needed to point out that the podcast crew sadly did an entire Movember update without mentioning the venerable old relevant gentleman society a site that hasn't been updated since 2007, by the way, at www.relevantgentlemansociety.com. And you know what? That is where we need to post the Movember photo updates. I would like to quickly point out that the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen started its life as a graphic novel. Boo. <laughs> well, thanks for ruining that. <laughs> uh, before, before we give you this week's uh, question of the week, I want to give you a little update. Um, we uh, we have partnered with One. Uh, a lot of you know uh, the organization One. They fight uh, th- through advocacy uh, around the world. They're standing up against pre- uh, against disease, poverty, and hunger. They, through their efforts in Washington and elsewhere, uh, they've gotten governments in this bad economy to to give more than two billion dollars more to mm-hmm. these to these fights uh, globally. Uh, we're seeing some amazing turnaround happen in these fronts in, in Africa and other places. And, and we've partnered with one. They, they came to us and said, listen, you know, they have two and a half million members and, 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 and all they ask for is your voice, right? All they say is when we go to Capitol Hill and whatever, we need to say, we need to represent a large group of people. And they don't want your money. They don't want anything else. They just want your voice. And so... Um, we partnered with them to try and get 35,000 new one members from our audience. And I think, I think our audience, this is something we're totally about. Mm-hmm. We've been working with uh, like college groups and, and different groups uh, for the last few months to, to, to join the fight. Uh, but now we want you. We want you and your friends to add your voice and join one. Um, if you go to relevantmagazine.com slash add your voice, um, you can you can uh, find out more about what one and, and and relevant are doing together. You can find about what they're doing. You can watch a video. We talked to John Foreman and some different things. Uh, you can all you have to do is put in your email address right mm-hmm. there, um, and you can you can share the page with your friends. You can tweet about it. Just click on these things. Real simple. Yeah. Go to relevantmagazine.com/slash add your voice. We don't want your money. We don't. You're not signing up for. A relevant newsletter, nothing. We want you to just put in your email address and your name and add your voice to the two and a half million others yeah. saying that we've got to do something right. and hold our governments accountable to do something. And I'll something. say too, like I'm signed up on my personal account and like they really don't spam you at all. No, no. I mean, you get maybe like one email like a week and it basically just says click here and that's going to let your um you know representative or senator or the president know that you support like the certain well measure. yeah it'll be like if a bill is going yeah. before the senate to say here's what the bill is about we really need to see this and this and this happen if you just click here it'll send an email right. to your senator um it, but they don't spam you they're again they don't need or right. want your money they just right. want your voice and so they keep you informed about specifically specifically about these three issues um like around when g12 and g20 mm-hmm. meetings happen i mean they 
One was a major player. Uh, a lot of you know it as Matt Damon's involved with one, Bono's involved with one. Has a George lot of, Clooney, I think. George Clooney, absolutely. And, and it has a lot of kind of heavy hitters behind it. The Gates Foundation, Bill Gates, are mm-hmm. actually the ones who fund a lot of what they're doing. So mm-hmm. um, they're not looking for resources. They're looking for a voice. And they came, when they came to us, they said, listen, you know, out of our two and a half million uh, members, Christians are actually a, a ver- the smallest portion. Hmm. But they're the most active portion. Hmm. And we want more people like you. Can you help us? And so we say, yeah, let's go get 35,000 of us. Right. So um, you can see when you go to the page that there's a little thermometer there. You see we're, we're over 12,000 and our goal is 35 over the next uh, month. So the thermometer is totally the way to go. Absolutely. It yeah. is. Yeah. So it always made camp more exciting. Like like Jeremy camp. Yeah. Like Jeremy camp when right. you're giving to the like missionaries and you right. know, and it slowly fills over the week. Right. Yeah. You got that magic marker and you just want to highlight another section yeah you you color that crap right in <laughs> <laughs> yes five more dollars yeah so remember go over to relevantmagazine.com slash add your voice and seriously tell your friends put it on your facebook help us rally thirty five thousand of our audience if you know who better to get behind this i mean there's right. absolutely nothing uh to be hesitant about this is an important issue they're doing great work and and you know there's personal things that we need to be doing there's things that the church needs to be doing, but then there's an advocacy aspect to this. You know, the church and individuals alone can't make sustainable change happen. Right. You have to involve governments. You have to have this advocacy happening, but that alone can't right. accomplish it. So right. it's kind of a three-legged stool of uh, personal church and, and and government working together, mm-hmm. and and I think that this is an important component. So relevantmagazine.com slash your voice. Okay. With that, here's this week's editorial question of the week. Editorial question of the week. Okay, we're flipping it up this week. We want to hear from you. We uh, we want you to ask us questions. It could be whatever you want to ask us. It could be personal. It could be sp- serious. It could be uh, uh, whatever music stuff. Whatever you want to ask us, Ryan, uh, Adam. Jesse or Cameron, go over to the podcast episode page and in the comments there, post your questions to the relevant uh, podcast crew and we will answer them on the next podcast. Is assuming they're appropriate. Uh, we may even answer inappropriate. Yeah, ones. that's true. I mean, we were playing all these. Uh, well, we're going to release a bonus. We're episode. playing all these slutty songs. <laughs> breaks, you know, we've lowered our maybe standards. Our, maybe our inappropriate ones can just be filled with beeps. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, before we wrap it up, I want to mention there are two videos playing over at Relevant.TV that we did not play in the breaks. Uh, one, because one Switchfoot's mess of me, and we played that on last week's podcast, but that's mm-hmm. playing, the video is playing right now on Relevant.TV. And then uh, Never Shout Never, their song On the Bright Side is playing at Relevant.TV. We didn't play that in the podcast because it was too chill. We, need, we wanted peppy. Interesting. M83, Passion Pit. We oh, need pep. Yeah. Pep and funk. So anyway, go check those out at Relevant.TV. Also, um, you can view the new issue of Relevant, the November issue, just as a reminder. It's available at the website. Yeah, go check it out. Switchfoot's on the cover. There's interviews with Modest Yahoo, Bat for Lashes, a bunch of others. You heard the preview last week. You could go, if you're too cheap to subscribe, which we wish you would, you could uh, preview the magazine online. Cameron's got a baby. Really? Yeah. I mean, really, we need to buy formula for Cohen. Yeah. Will you please subscribe and to diapers. Relevant? Yeah, and diapers. <laughs> subscribe to Relevant. Don't starve my baby. He's a, he's a cute little guy. <laughs> um, also, if you want updates on No Shave November, uh, you can uh, go check out Relevant Gentleman Society. We will update update that, Relevant Gen- Gentleman's Society.com. One, one quick update is I look disgusting. 
Uh, you look less disgusting than Tim. <laughs> I actually asked Tim what was wrong the other day. I was like, are you feeling okay? And he's like, well, I haven't shaved. I was like, that's what it is. You look terrible, mm. but it's your face. It's yeah. not your si- It's not like... <laughs> Which you get a lot regardless yeah. of his, well, if Well, I thought he was sick. Not, you know, yeah. I just thought he was sick. Yeah. Uh, no, you, you look like you're in perfect health, but your face <laughs> is just awful. <laughs> uh, go check that out. It'll be on the website and also at relevantgentlemensociety.com. Many thanks to Sherwood for coming in. They're on tour right now. You can check them out at sherwoodmusic.net for dates. And also many thanks to best-selling author Mitch Album for talking to us. His new book is Have a Little Faith. It's available now. We have a review up at relevantmagazine.com. And you can check him out at mitchalbum.com. And obviously his books, all of them, are available at every bookstore in the country. Yes. So you can uh, get those pretty easily. Um, that with that, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Ryan Ham. Chad Michael Snavely's on the ones and twos. I'm Jesse Carey. We'll see you next week. Nicholas Cage plays a rogue detective who is as devoted to his job as he is to scoring drugs while playing fast and loose with the law.